Romans 1.8, Romans 1.8, the example of a contagious faith, the example of a contagious faith, that's true of you, will be a good checkpoint for us today. Is our faith contagious and what is the byproduct of that? A lot of things spread very fast that, that you, just, you just can't ignore it. And often it's bad things, dangerous things, right? Uh, wildfire spreads very fast. Uh, the, the largest of destruction can happen so fast. In fact, uh, wildfire can spread 14 miles an hour. Right. The average human, actually the average male, can, can sprint eight miles an hour. Uh, wildfires go much faster than that. The worst in our history spread through Wisconsin and Michigan, claiming nearly 6,000 square miles in the 1800s, and hundreds of lives as it spread. Probably just spread from a little fire in the woods dry conditions and right, we see that a lot in California almost seasonal same thing with bacteria right, we're going to start with two bad things bacteria spreads like crazy uh, one bacteria can double uh, double in size double in size multiply to be over 30,000 times in just five hours, right? So you look at that, that steak and you think, well, it's just been five hours, it's okay. Well, we may have 30,000 bacteria growing in it. Why is it just the bad things spread? Uh, I think it's because the earth is broken. Uh, the, the earth was not made that way. It's uh, humanity that has fallen. Um, and so humans often spread that bad spread. We think of Slander, how quickly slander spreads. Say something mean about someone, boy, that flies. That flies across the telephones, right? Uh, flies across. Uh, and, and then, then uh, saying something nice, I don't know. This does show us all the bad things that spread, that the gospel is in the business of changing that. Uh, yes, slander spreads, but kind words do spread as well. Um, you say something nice to someone and they are feeling like saying nice to someone else. And it does spread. Kindness spreads, right? These things that you do that maybe no one else sees, but that person that you do something kind to, they want to share something kind to someone else. And so the gospel does that. Satan's lies spread, but gospel, gospel news spreads as well. And this is true with faith. True faith in Christ, in the gospel, is unstoppable. Uh, the positive things that happen as we grow in faith and as we change, it becomes unstoppable. It becomes something that Satan, in his lies, cannot stop. And he's been trying to for thousands of years. And so we, we find it interesting, look at this church in Rome. Satan was trying to put it out the fire of Christian faith. In fact, throwing it to the lions, doing anything they could to stop the message of the gospel. But it continued to spread and continued to spread. We find ourselves perhaps in a city that the culture doesn't, not, doesn't necessarily like the, at least the values that spring up from the Christian faith. 
many of those values. Some of the values it enjoys, but some of them it doesn't, and we don't need to worry about that. I do. I feel like that that as as Christianity becomes easy in a culture, then Christianity becomes lax, and it becomes lazy, and it is not as vibrant, and it is not as contagious. It's not on fire. But when society turns against Christianity and its values and its purposes, actually, it purifies the message. It purifies the Christians and the church and the faith becomes brighter and more contagious. So we find ourselves, if we find ourselves in a culture that is dry, that is antagonistic, that is even persecuting, we find actually conditions for the wildfire to spread. The drier the land, the greater the light. And so as Christians, when we find a culture or you find an office that is very anti-faith, anti-supernatural, anti-God, don't fear. Find in there a blessing that God desires to let his light shine. And so this is the way it was in Rome. It was this way. It was very dark. It was very antagonistic to the faith. But when, we, when, when the light came, the light shone brighter still. And so it's in the backdrop of the black felt that the diamond shines brighter. So too, the backdrop of a world that hates God, that the Love of God shines brighter still. And so we, we uh, turn to Rome and we find, I think, encouragement for us as well. Well, let's look at this, this contagious faith in verse 8. We find this contagious faith. Uh, but as I said, we've, we've turned from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. If you look in your Bible there, you probably have a paragraph division then coming into verse 8. And our next paragraph goes all the way from verse 8 to verse 15. And then verses 16 and 17, we find the, actually the theme of the whole book, the primary idea of the whole book. So verses 1 to 7, this gospel introduction. And then verses 8 through 15, is, it's almost this personal uh, introduction of Paul to the Romans. And it's like a very straightforward desire to come to them. And then we get to verse 16 and 17, the theme of the book. What I did this week is I just highlighted for you the main idea of 1 through 7 in an outline form. Okay, And I have some of these. I have plenty of these in the back. I'll put them on the back table. But this is helpful for us. Everybody learns in different ways. You may learn through pictures. Some people learn tactfully, like tactfully they, they need to touch or, or hear right, through music. So we sing our, the faith. Um, I'll try to make that a little clearer. Is that the, you don't need glasses. It's a little blurry. But uh, what I did here with verses 1 to 7 and then getting into verse 8 as well, I put the outline in a, uh, in a form that, that helps you as far as colors, but also all the red here is the actual, uh, the actual Greek. And, and so this is my translation of verses 1 through 7. 
and uh, it, it kind of is, is divided out with the, the outline, the detailed outline that we've going through. And so those of you who, lo who learn through logical progression uh, and, and seeing those in a kind of a, a group way, and a lot of you will be that way, you'll really appreciate this. Okay? So we have Paul, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, called the apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. This gospel, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the sacred scriptures. The sacred scriptures, the gospel is all concerning his son, who came from the seed of David according to the flesh, but was set apart in the Son of God in power according to the Holy Spirit. How has he done that? By the resurrection of the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so that's what we've considered so far. And then we, we move on to this paragraph. Uh, uh, verse, uh, sorry, this is number three, verses six through seven. Uh, blessed, the recipients, blessed of the calling uh, to those you belong, among whom you yourselves were the called of Jesus Christ. To all of you who are loved by God in Rome, called by Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's all the text we've considered up to this point. Some of you, that's just gonna, you're just not going to care about that at all. Uh, but if you're carefully going through the text and thinking carefully about the logical progression of thought, this is really going to be helpful for you. Okay, We can't forget about that. We've got to keep it. So we're going to keep adding to that. Um, but our second main section is this whole idea of gospel fellowship, of spiritual family, the relationship of Paul, who had never been to Rome, to Rome. It's going to help us think carefully about our relationships to other churches. Right? What relationship should you have to a church in Beijing or in Jerusalem? Okay, so we're going to be able to deal with that a lot as we, as we flesh out Paul's relationship to them in Rome. Okay, so I'm not going to deal any more with that. Just to, I'll have these on the back table. and like If you're memorizing Romans or if you're looking carefully through this study, that will be helpful for you. And I'll make that available uh, in, our, in our weekly email as well. Because a lot of times you lose paper. Or you can put that in your Bible. Uh, put that in your Bible and follow along that way. And we'll keep adding to it uh, until, it's, uh, until it's the whole book, by God's grace. Okay, so gospel fellowship and spiritual family. And, and, and as we look at the spiritual family, we're seeing that we're supposed to be setting examples for one another. And this is the first example, the example of the church in Rome. How are they going to learn from this, this example that they have together? Um, and so that's going to challenge us. And then next week we're going to look at the example of prayer. And then the week after the, the example of gospel partnership. Okay. So this first example is the example of the Roman church. Uh, and, and it's their example of faith. The example of faith. Okay. So let's look at their faith. And, uh, and, and by God's grace, pray that we also have contagious faith. Uh, the first phrase there, the first Kind of half of the verse shows the byproduct of contagious faith. If you're a faithful person, a person full of faith, then those who see you will have this response. And so as we look at the church in Rome, as we look at the church in Beijing, as we look at the church in Iran, by God's grace, as people look at the church in Queens, this is the byproduct of it. If we are living out our faith in a Roman kind of way. In, in the way that we should. It will be contagious, and this is the byproduct of contagious faith. It is something that produces thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. The, the byproduct of contagious faith is thanksgiving. People look at that and they say, wow, praise God for what's happening there. 
Praise God for what's happening there. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. As your faith grows, it spreads to those around you, and they want to be with you. And, and they say, wow, I'm so thankful I spent time with that brother or sister. I'm so thankful for how God has changed them. And so we find a, a very real byproduct that is extremely helpful. You see a few things about thanksgiving there in your notes. Thanks that is primary. Thanks that is primary. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. First of all, this is a kind of this is this is a huge book that he's writing, uh, and and he's going to say, first of all, I need to get this out of the way. I need to thank God for you. Uh, it's not that he's going to start a list of things and. Okay, first, Thanksgiving, second, petition, third, let's talk about this. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, first of all, this, this is so important. Let me, just, let me just begin this way. Let me begin my letter to you this way. Boy, if you thought Paul's writing to this church, how would he begin a letter? Right up front, I need to do this thing. I need to thank God for you. And so we find the primacy of thanks. But first, coffee, right? No. But first, for Christians, not coffee, but first, thanksgiving. Do you think that way? This is challenging us in our relationships with one another when we think about one another. But first of all, thanksgiving. And so it's showing us the primacy of thanksgiving in our lives. First of all, complaining. That might be more so the case. But this is where I'm saying the gospel changes everything. This is how your light in your cubicle. It's not just that you pass out tracts to everybody. Well, if the Lord gives you opportunity to do that. But you change from complaining to thanksgiving. That's huge light. That's a huge difference. And so he thanked God for them. We're all lepers all healed from our sin on a daily basis, and we thank God. It's interesting, all ten lepers in Luke 17 prayed. Heal us! Heal us! So we have a lot of prayers. But how many thanked Jesus? Anybody remember the percentage? One. One. Ten percent. And that's about right. Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? And so Paul is one of those 1%. First of all, pray with thanksgiving. Spurgeon put it this way, we receive a continent of mercies and only return an island of praise. Paul's thanks was primary, and so he begins that way, and we should as well. Also, his thanks was spiritual, Thanks for faith is a spiritual thing. When we thank God for gospel progress, we show a different standard and interest in our prayers. And so Paul often did this. We find him in 1 Corinthians 1.4. I thank my God always for you at Corinth. Ephesians 1.15. For this reason I too, having heard of the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus, your uh, your love for all the saints, thank God. 
Philippians 1, verse 3, I thank my God in every remembrance of you. Uh, he does the same thing in Thessalonica and Colossians. So he's, Paul is always thanking. So he's praying for them, but he's thanking God for them. I don't know we do that. I don't know that I do that. We need to improve in that way. As I pray for you, I need to pray for you with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for this person. Thank you for their faith. But also, it shows that he's valuing faith, right? And, and so this is another way we, we fall short, right? When we, when we think about what we need to do, how we need to grow, so often we think just on the physical level. But Paul thought on a deeper level. He thanked God on a deeper, deeper level. And so when we hear about a person rescued from danger, we're naturally happy. Right? That's good, but, but we should automatically be thinking on that level of faith. Did it produce in them greater faith in the Lord? Uh, and so that is what we should be valuing, someone's faith. When we hear a positive or negative news in the physical realm, on the physical plane, it should always get us to be thinking on a deeper realm, on a deeper plane on a spiritual level, right? When we consider the difficulties that someone comes through because of their health or because of the situation in life, we're automatically thinking on a spiritual level, is this drawing this person closer to Christ? And then in that sense, we can thank God even in the difficulties. And so Paul knew how to pray on a deeper level, on a soul level, and thank God on a deeper level, on a soul level. His thanks for faith is spiritual. It's also personal. And this is precious. Again, if we're just reading through this without thinking about each of these words, we, we skip over, I thank my God for you. This is a precious phrase. As Paul, very orthodox in one sense, orthodox Jewish, pharisaical, saved out of that. In that realm, they would have never mentioned the name of God we see that in the Greco-Roman world as well. They would have never personalized this relationship with God. Right? There's this Zeus, there's this emperor, and, and we're doing things to offer up right, sacrifices so they're no longer angry at us. But not so with Paul. He's able to say, this is my God. Very different. The gospel changes this fear of God to be a healthy, beautiful thing. A fear of love. A fear in love. And so Paul is able to say, I thank my God. It's a special thing. It's a special claim. Um, you may say, well, how proud to presume that his God is his own. Well, this is Christianity. Uh, this is the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, God has gifted me with his presence. And so it comes to us there, fourthly, through a priest. Uh, thank God. Thank God that it comes to us through whom? What does he say? I thank my God through Jesus Christ. It's not something we can claim all on our own. Uh, we would never get near that veil if it were not through Jesus Christ. And so all of our thanksgiving, all of our prayers come through Jesus. Jesus has earned the way as he pays for the debt of our sin. And so our thanks for one another comes through Christ. 
It's praying in his name for his purposes. And that's why we praise God for faith and for all things. And then lastly, it is not just through a priest. It's deeply pastoral. It's pastoral. He says, I thank God for their faith. And he mentions how many of them? I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. For all of you. Um, He's able to look at the faith of all of them. And there were some of them that had great faith. And there were others had weak faith. But he's able to praise God for all of them. So as you think through your brothers and sisters here at Grace. Or people that you pray for on the mission field. You can pray for, thank God for all of them. We're going to deal in Romans 14 with a couple ladies that were always fighting with one another. Uh, they, They were just always arguing. Oh, Yodi and Syntyche, why can't they just get along? But Paul was able to praise God for their faith as well. Even someone who had trouble with relationships and interrelation personality. Okay, thank God for them still. This is a deeply pastoral faith that Paul has that he's able to thank the Lord for this. We want to have this type of spirit as we thank the Lord for one another. As we're able to thank God for uh, things that are not just on a physical level. And if we're careful, not careful, all of our prayers and all of our thanksgivings are all just about our cuts and bruises. But we recognize that, wow, God is doing so much on a deeper level. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the faith to grow this week. Thank you, Lord, for giving me joy in my spirit by spending time with you this week. This is so significant. It is so significant. The Lord gives us this kind of faith. And when he gives you this kind of faith, you're able to thank God on that deeper level, on that higher plane where your prayers and your thanksgivings rise far above all else to heaven. It's a beautiful thing. Let me just say, this is why this is so significant. I'll just take a moment with this and we'll move on to our second and final uh, the second half of the verse. How is this significant? Uh, Thanksgiving sig- signifies spiritual life. Thanksgiving signifies spiritual life. If you have your Bible there, just look down the road a little bit. Romans 1 verse 21. And we find here, a lot, right, you find a cultural digression uh, morally into the, the cesspool that had become Rome. And, and, and there is a moral digression into the cesspool that become Pharisaic Judaism, right? Both of them will fall far short of the glory of God, as we'll see. But Romans 1, he details that in a secular culture that is anti-God. And what's interesting here is, look at verse 21. For although they knew God in the sense that God revealed his glory to them, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made like mortal human being, birds and animals and reptiles. And keep following, eventually God turns them over to a reprobate mind. But but right at the beginning here, what, what dies? Thanksgiving. Neither were they thankful. Right? And, and, and so, right, a, a person born without the Spirit, as is all of us, God's Spirit, need to be born again, and all of a sudden our complaining attitude, our selfish attitude, our focus entirely on Tim, 
my stuff, my needs, becomes focused on others. Focused on others' needs, others' spiritual growth. And it changes from complaining to thanksgiving. And it's a beautiful thing. This is the faith that is glorious. That person is going through so much, and yet they just listened to me. They just focused on my needs. Yes, because God's Spirit was in them. They are entirely different from all those around them, other than those who are born again. And so this is so significant because Thanksgiving signifies spiritual life. As we continue on in Romans, we'll find that the lack of Thanksgiving, it, it's on your way to a reprobate mind. A mind that does not love God. A mind that does not know God. That focuses entirely on self. And, and then, yes, all the immorality that goes, we focus on all that immorality, but it starts with, with lack of thanksgiving. A lack of acknowledging God, that all that I have has come from Him. Every breath comes from this amazing Creator God. Every day, every blessing that I have comes from God. Thank you, God. Thank you for all of you, my brothers and sisters, and all the blessings that you are being in my life. And we can even thank God for those difficulties. Because we have a higher, we live on a higher plane. Our citizenship is in heaven. And all the things that are happening in heaven are what are so important to me. As God does his will on earth as it is in heaven. And so we find this sweet lady talking to a pastor. And a pastor shares with her, I think it's a great pity that the master did not give you sight when he showered you with so many other gifts. Fanny Crosby wrote 9,000 hymns and poems and just a beautiful spirit of love for the Lord. Fanny Crosby responds, Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I was born blind? Right? And you guys know perhaps the rest of her testimony. Because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be the face of my Savior. Now there's someone who's living on a different plane. She's seeing things differently. She's seeing spiritually. She's seeing, oh, all these blessings? It's not financial. It's not health and prosperity. It's Jesus. It's knowing God through Jesus Christ. It's relationships with my brothers and sisters. It's making more and more of the name that saves us eternally. And so even as a child, she would write, Oh, what a happy soul I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in the world contented I will be. This helps us with contentment. Again, it takes us from complaining to thanksgiving because we're living on a different realm, a different plane with spiritual sight. And that's why it's so important to focus on people's faith. You know where the Bible is growing, where Christianity is growing like wildfire? In the Middle East, where it's illegal. In China, where it's illegal. In India, where many communities it's illegal. Why? That faith grows. We get so weak and complaining because we're living on a different Very, very surface level. By God's grace, our faith needs to grow deep, offering praise to God. Thank you, Lord. We ask you to do this.
Father, we thank your gracious hand, your loving work, your perfect plan that gets our eyes off of our pain to raise our praise to your name. Relieve our stress of all that's not and help us bless for all we've got. Then mind relieved, the striving cease, we find from thee a heart at peace. This is the thing that's contagious. The contagious faith sees on a different level. Let's look at it a little more closely. The nature of contagious faith, the second part of that verse. Because your faith is proclaimed throughout the whole world. We'll go through this quickly here. It is faith, first of all. You see four different things about it in your notes. What is this faith from that phrase? Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. First of all, it's faith. Because it's your faith, you have it. But what is faith? We talk about that a lot, but do you know what it is? The word is used a lot. In our culture, it's used a whole lot that's very different from how Scripture uses it. Okay, so let's just take a minute with this. This comes up 200, the noun comes up 243 times in the original language. 35 of them are in the small book of Romans. Another 230 sometimes, the verb comes up, and 20 of them are in Romans. So over 50 times we find this idea of faith coming up in this book. We need to get a grasp of it. A lot of different flavors, but essentially it's, it's those who are embracing, trusting in the good news of Jesus. Embracing the clear truths that flow out of that embracing of the gospel. And so the, actually the, the believing in Jesus and what he's revealed about himself becomes the faith. The faith that I embrace. And so we use that as an, kind of an objective treasure that I'm trusting in the faith. And actively I'm believing in that as I'm trusting Jesus with my eternal life. And so in our culture, someone say that person's a man of faith. Right? That could mean anything. Uh, it may just mean they're a decent person, maybe a religious person, but it's not necessarily mean they're embracing with all their heart and soul the gospel of Jesus, relying on that, and then all that he's revealed about himself in his word. A believer could be someone who's spiritual, who, who believes in anything. In fact, we often say a believer. But in this case, a believer is someone, again, who embraces this gospel for themselves. Even if it's not popular, it's something you do because Christ has changed your heart. Uh, there's nothing easy about it in one sense. Because Jesus has died on the cross, capital punishment, and he says, all of you who want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. And so he commands us to believe in him and follow him. Christ demands that kind of faith. Leave all and follow. And then we are his children. We don't become his children by changing our face and changing ourselves to look like him. No, as we take up our cross and follow him, he changes us on the inside to where we start to do things our dad does, our father does. We start looking like him by thanking instead of complaining in one area here. And so that is faith. 
That kind of faith is famous. Your faith is proclaimed where? In all the world. Their faith was proclaimed. This is another very strong word. Every other time you see this word used, it's talking, talking about proclaiming the gospel in the New Testament. Tell the message of Jesus. And it's a heightened form of that. Proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the good news. Here, everybody's proclaiming this news about those in Rome's faith. How they've embraced the gospel. It's spreading all over the world. Maybe a little hyperbole there. Where he's, he's overstating for the, 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 for the effect. And that you see that in just the normal writing in the day. They could say something like that. Just like I, I love my wife to the moon and back. I've never been to the moon, right? But you know what I'm saying. I'm using hyperbole there. And so Paul is, in one sense, doing that. But in another sense, I do believe that everybody knew about Rome in that world. And, and so because of that, their, their faith in Jesus was prominent. It was on display. And it was just kind of, everybody talked about, you know what, they are still standing strong. No, no apostles started that church. Right? They, and yet they have a community of faith that's vibrant. Right? The emperor tried to expel them. He's tried to push them down. Eventually they're going to be martyred. And yet they still continue to meet below the city and have a strong faith. And so this gospel is amazing. It spreads all over the world. I could just say that for us real quick here, uh, just as a personal application to our church. You know, New York City is known all over the world. And so we have a little window into this. As we continue to stand strong in faith and grow as a church, as a community, the world will take notice of that because it's happening here. It could happen in blue, whatever, uh, Kentucky, and that's fine. But the world won't take as notice as much as if it's happening here. But as God grows this, the world takes notice. You know, you know the church in New York City is very vibrant. The world will talk about it just because we're in an urban center that's talked about all over the world. And so it gives us really a kind of a, I don't know, an extra oomph. This should be us. God has given us a nice, right? You have this actually 23 million people in this, this metro area of New York City and the surrounding area. And we just... God gives us an opportunity to display his glory in a unique way in world history. Lord, help us not drop the, the, the flame, the torch, but keep it lit and shine brightly that your gospel would be shining through us. The gospel that knows no bounds. Thirdly, it's, it's free. It's gone to the places that are illegal, the places where it's Wrong to be Christian. It continues. In fact, as we've seen, it probably thrives more there because the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You find this at the end of Acts in Acts 28, verses 30 and 31, as Paul is in house arrest in Rome. Luke ends that whole history book with that word, unhindered. The gospel proclamation continued from there to the end of the world. God's world word will not be bound it goes into all the world, spreads word of mouth from person to person to person, it resounds, it resounds through you. When you hear that, you're like, wow, that's unusual. That's unusual. This was the case with a Japanese soldier who heard of a young nurse 
a young lady who was treating prisoners of war in World War II so kindly. And, and she was doing this because she was a Christian. And her story got out that her parents were killed by Japanese in Japan as they were missionaries. And so she was asked, why are you doing this for folks? Right? Th- th- these may be the same soldiers who killed your parents. And she said, well, my parents forgave them as they died. So I can forgive them as well. She forgave her parents' murderers. Well, that news spread like wildfire. Why? Because that's different. Forgiveness instead of bitterness? Thanks, thankfulness instead of complaining? Another soldier was kind of, kind of at his high point, but recognized no joy. Mitsuo Fuchida. I'll have to ask uh, Sayaka if I'm anywhere near on that, but uh, he heard that and he picked up a Bible. If that kind of faith is real, I don't see stuff like that on that level. And he was raised in Shintoism. So he picked up a Bible, and in Luke, he's reading about Jesus on the cross saying, For God, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he gets saved. Born again, truly born again. And he starts telling everybody. This is the same man who was the first commanding officer to drop bombs at Pearl Harbor. He called the order. Became a celebrity in Japan for that victory. But Saul, no lasting joy. In fact, he wrote a book about how all of these wars just show the wickedness in man. Where can we have a solution to all this selfishness? Whether it's in the East or the West, it's all selfishness, all this warfare. And so he hears this message, he becomes a Christian, he becomes an evangelist. The rest of his life, the rest of his days, preaches thousands of times, hundreds of people come to Christ because of that kind of forgiveness. He ends up preaching at Pearl Harbor after the war. That, That You can't fake that kind of faith. You can't fake that kind of faith. That kind of news flies It's not fake. It's true. It's genuine faith. And this is, this is what we demonstrate on a daily basis. And as we do so, our culture changes because it spreads to this person, this person, this person. That's the only way, the only way to change our, our culture because it's, it's followed. That person says, That's, I want to follow that light. That little girl, that nurse, I want to follow that light. That Japanese commander turns away all of these successful promotions and just preaches Jesus. I want to follow that light. And so it's a faith that is followed. It's a faith that is followed. You see there are two concluding thoughts that will be done here. Uh, So two things, real quick. Grow your faith and show your faith. First of all, as we are to do this as Christians and queens, we need to ask the Lord to grow our faith. You may say, wow, help my unbelief. Okay, do it. Pray. Lord Jesus, help my unbelief. Thank you for the faith you've given me. 
strengthen my faith, grow my faith. So pray, and then how else does our faith grow? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. This message today is increasing your faith. Tomorrow, as you open the Bible, it increases your faith. Tomorrow night, go to bed, read a psalm, increases your faith. There is how you grow your faith. Our church will not be vibrant and real to the community if we are not folks who are growing in our faith, grasping the truth, grasping the gospel, but growing in the gospel. And then don't let your light be hid. Show that light. All right. Let the bushel off. Don't hide it. Let your light shine. Don't worry that you're the only person thanking when others are complaining. Keep thanking. Don't worry that you're the only one forgiving while others are held in bitterness. Keep forgiving. And that, those good works, they see that and they glorify your Father who is in heaven. You'll say, that person's different. And then you proclaim it. When you have that platform of good works from Titus, of a life that's changed, you're able to say, let me tell you how it changed. They'll probably ask you, but you, you're really quick to point them to Jesus and not to yourself. Let's pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's ask the Lord for this kind of contagious faith. This is the faith that changes the world. And it's no matter your age, no matter where you're from, who you are, this is you. You're another torch that needs to be on fire with contagious faith, growing in the Word, demonstrating the Word through a changed life. Would you commit to that before the Lord even now in this quiet time? In a moment, we'll close in prayer. But let me encourage you. Lord, thank you for this faith. May it grow in my life. Would you pray that? Ask the Lord for grace to live this out in a brighter, brighter, brighter way. Be standing in the back lobby. Be happy to pray with you. We'd like to pray, but let's all do business with the Lord and respond in grace uh, this message of faith. Let's pray.